Well, our reading this morning is from Acts chapter 2 and verses 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, so good morning. Um, now, I, as Joe mentioned, um, I know he's been looking um, at Acts um, with you this term and thinking through what it means to be church, to be gathered together, to be community, and to be a community called by God, um, worshipping and praying um, and sharing the good news of Jesus and what that looks like. Um, and so today we're going to continue to look at what um, this new community is all about. But before we start, I have a couple questions. Um, and you may wonder where I'm going with this um, and how it's related to what I'm meant to be talking about, but just bear with me and hopefully it will come together. Um, so firstly, can anyone tell me um, who were the first people God asked a question to in the Bible and what the question was. Did a hang up? Damn, that was very quick. Yes. Yeah, roughly. Yeah, Adam and Eve and where are you? Yeah, where are you? Perfect, brilliant. Um, and the second set of questions might be a bit more tricky and who that was to. Any, should I give a clue? Otherwise it would be Dan again. It was to Cain. What did, any ideas of what, about what God asked Cain? Or oh, Dan again, he knows his Bible. Where's your brother? Yes, absolutely. Um, Paul Marks, maybe. A <laughs> yeah, so um, to Cain, um, after he had been incredibly jealous of and then murdered his brother, um, God said to him, where is your brother? Do you know the reply though? What was... Am I my brother's keeper? Brilliant. So the response from Cain was not just a lie, but a huge misunderstanding of the life to which God had called him for. Because, yes, this is the whole point, and hopefully you'll now sort of start to see the link. Our job is to look out for each other. Our job is to help to keep each other loved and safe and warm and loved. And the whole point is that we don't travel this world alone. But from the very, very start from the bio of the Bible, us humans have often really objected to this calling. So the first question, where are you, is about the fact that we detach ourselves from God. And the second question in reply, am I my brother or sister's keeper, shows how we often detach ourselves from others. And as we then read through the Bible, we see God trying to teach us and show us what it looks like to be attached, to be in community, or to be with both God and with each other. 
What does it look like to be with, to love God and others, to love God with all our heart and to love our neighbours as ourselves? So let's firstly look back a little bit in the Old Testament in the story from Exodus where God's people are escaping from Egypt and they end up in the desert for about 40 years. So Egypt had been all about self-sufficiency, all about constant productivity. There were no days off, there was no rest, they were living lives of slavery. Being in the desert was all about God reshaping the people's imagination for God and for their community. He was reshaping their imagination to leave the culture of Egypt, leave slavery in Egypt behind. The people, God wanted the people to learn a different way of being, a different way of living with new responsibilities and a new heart for justice as compassionate people, to be people of rest and reliant on God, hence the reintroduction of the Sabbath day of rest at that point. God even gives them a beautiful summary of this in the Ten Commandments. They were ten aspirations of how to live and love wholeheartedly for God and for each other. And so we then come to Acts 2 that Matt has read to us and this new community of believers. And what do we see here given the desert context that we've just been talking about? So just like the people in the desert, God was going to teach this new community to reimagine what it meant to be their brother and their sister's keeper, to be in community with God and with each other. But the difference is that they were living with a new power, the power of the cross of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, which had been poured out on them at Pentecost. So firstly... God was going to teach them what it, was meant, what, to, what it meant to be with. So learning from the way that God came to be with us in Jesus, and at Christmas we often use the name Emmanuel, which means God with us, and also with us through the Holy Spirit. And God had demonstrated this in power at Pentecost. The people were to learn what it meant to be with God, with each other, and with the world. And this community were with each other and with God in teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. It, being meant, it meant being connected into Jesus like branches on a vine, praying and learning and being together. In Deuteronomy, way back in the Old Testament, God had said to the people, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And this is what the new community were doing. They were learning together to be the people that God had called them to be. But they were also to be with the world. The believers sold what they had and they shared generously with those in need. This new community was to be a reflection of God's heart for humanity. They were learning to do justice God's way. It wasn't an inward-facing community, but it was an outward-facing one. And it all sounds really perfect, doesn't it? But it's really important to stress that this wasn't a perfect community. 
It's definitely a beautiful picture, and people often harp back to, oh, I wish, I was like the, wish it was like the New Testament, you know, the new church in the New Testament. But as you read on in, in Acts, there's corruption, there's division, there's significant disagreements on major issues, there's a massive outbreak of persecution from the religious leaders, and then there's martyrdom for some ahead. And really sadly, our fractured world affects how we relate to each other, doesn't it? And if you read on in a few chapters, one of the first questions for the early church was who was included in this new community? Was it just for the Jews or was it also for the non-Jews? And the answer to that question was in Jesus' last words to his disciples. Go and tell the world and make disciples of all nations. And at Pentecost, God had clearly indicated from the pouring out of the Holy Spirit that everyone was to be in. 3,000 disciples on that day alone from all nations were created. Sadly, the fact that we have disagreements in the church hasn't changed, has it? The first disagreement was about cultural and religious identity and inclusion in that new community. And since then, we've had disagreements over slavery, over baptism, over which way the altar faces, uh, the ministry of women, sexuality, and the list goes on and on and on. Acts doesn't tell us that we shouldn't disagree, but it does help us to think through how we should disagree healthily. And if a friend refers to it as holy friendship, trying to work out a new way, a, for, a way forward together, seeking the flourishing of friendship despite our differences. And our Bishop Graham Tomlin has just written a new book about this called Generous Orthodoxy, which is definitely worth a read. Generous Orthodoxy is learning how we hang on to the essential things about our faith and salvation in unity, but how we love and allow each other to be different on the non-essential things. And this is so important for community life. And I love what Pope Francis has said about this. He said, truth may be vital, but without love, it is unbearable. Truth may be vital, but without love, it's unbearable. Being with means being messy people in a messy church, in a messy world, but committed to one another in love for something much bigger beyond ourselves. So that's about being with. But secondly, the community is to be gathered and sent. And I really love being gathered together like this. There have been the most special moments worshipping together like this on Sundays, on church weekends away, with the youth at Soul Survivor summer camps, sharing communion together, eating together, praying together, being at midweek groups together, and being with the children. But I'm also really passionate about what it looks like when we're out there, when we're sent. We're not just meant to be one or the other. The new believers met together in the temple building, but also out in the neighborhood, meeting in homes. But if they were gaining favor with all the people, it probably meant that they were making a difference in the community, not just hiding in the temple or in each other's homes. And after our communion services, when we've entered into what Christ has done for us on the cross, we often say these words together. Send us, and notice not me, but send us, 
out in the power of your spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. It reminds us together that we're not meant to stay in here or keep our faith in here, in this building, but that together we as the gathered people are sent into the world to live and work for God's kingdom to come on earth. So it's about being with, it's about being gathered and sent. And it leads us on to the third point. We're sent because the community is for witness. And through our acts, despite all the problems, there is always hope. Nothing can stop the kingdom of God. Even persecution meant scattering these new believers across many nations. And it led to more people hearing about Jesus, more churches being planted, more lives and communities changed. And these new believers, they must have stood out. They were making an impact on their neighbourhoods around them, just in the way that they lived, because their gathered lives overflowed into what happened when they left the building. When they were at home with their families and friends, when they were being neighbours, when they were at work, when they were being the people God had called them to be out in the world. And our witness is to remind the world what we are here for. For God, for each other, and for the world. And another book um, which helped me to think this through, which also helped me think about training for priesthood, um, is another of Graham Tomlin's books. And I promise I'm not trying to um, like promote his books today. I haven't got getting commission or anything. Um, but it was a great book, which I think I might have mentioned before, called The Widening Circle. Now, I passionately believe in the priesthood of all believers. So it took a while for me to be convinced why we need people called priests and why in the Anglican Church we even call them that anyway. But Bishop Graham says it's all about worship and blessing. And he describes it like circles or callings of blessing. And the first calling is to creation, to worship God. And we see this in the Psalms. For example, the trees of the field shall clap their hands. The second calling is um, a calling that God gave the whole of humanity, and that was to join in with the worship of God and to care for creation, to serve and bless the world. And then the third circle, or the third calling, is to the church, to be a priesthood of believers. We are called to witness and to remind the world that we are here to worship God. We're here to look after each other and to care for creation. And the call that we have on our lives is just this one, to follow Jesus and to make Jesus known to the world and live out all that that means by loving, serving and blessing. And we have a calling together to live out this witness to the world as a church community but also individually, we all have different jobs. And the job of someone that the Anglican Church calls a priest is very simply to love and serve and bless the church and to help remind the church that we together are the priesthood of believers and that we're called to worship God and to be a witness and a blessing to the world. That's pretty much it. And I thought if it simply means loving and serving, and blessing and reminding all of us why we need to be here, then with God's help, maybe that's something that I could just about do.
In Matthew 5, Jesus says, Let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. For that new community, standing in the temple was a physical reminder that they of who they were called to be. They were called to be a light and a witness to the nations. And it's the same when we're gathered here. Being here together is a reminder of who God calls us to be when we leave this building. We're here to witness and worship and love the world by being in it. And like those first believers who are transformed by the Holy Spirit, we also are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we are, we can witness how it is to live with God, with each other and with the world. God calls us to define a new identity beyond, beyond this society that we inhabit. We're, we're called to embody a new way of being in the world. We're called to commit ourselves to the way of Jesus in his upside down, his subversive, controversial kingdom. And I think there are some key questions for us as we gather and as we gather up all these points about being with, being gathered and sent and being witnesses. So we go back to those questions at the very beginning and those very beginning of the Bible. How are we responding to those questions that God asks of us? Are you with me? Are you with your brother and sister? Are we with each other and the world? So how are we being church with God and with each other when we're gathered, which then helps our witness when we leave the building? How are we reminding each other that we're meant to love and serve and bless the world around us? How do we help each other grow in faith how do we help challenge each other? How do we love each other? And there are many ways, but one of the key places of growth for me has been meeting with a small group of women. Many of us now in different churches, some of us in different parts of the country, some still sitting here. It's been a bit on and off. Um, at times we've probably looked after each other better and at times possibly not done such a good job, but over the years we've prayed together We've loved each other, we've supported each other, we've wept together, and we've laughed together. And many of you will know Fee Budden. Through this group over 10 years ago, we had the privilege of seeing her come to faith, start working with the projects at Ivy Bridge, becoming community chaplain there, starting her training as lay minister. And now next Saturday, Fee and I together have the privilege of being ordained. And that's been such an incredible joy and again with all these other women in the group just seeing what God has done in their lives has been incredible and there's a joy being gathered here together on Sundays but also when we're supporting each other and growing together during the week and some of you may already be uh, living and um, supporting each other um, like that but if you're not I'd really love to encourage you to find others to grow and journey with you will be blessed more than you can possibly imagine so what does being with God and with each other look like for you? But there's also the question of how we are church in the places God has called us to be when we are the sent church. How are we reminding the world that we're to love God 
and each other and the world that God has made. How is God calling us to be with the people in our community? Our home, neighbours, workplace, the places we go to socialise. Sometimes it's what we're called to do or be as a group of people together. Sometimes we have very specific roles and vocations that God has given us individually. And it's become really clear to me that the work I do in the world of social housing is very much part of my calling and my ministry. It has been for years, and I don't know how it's going to look going forwards, but somehow it's going to tie in with being a minister in the Anglican Church. What does being with the world look like for you? So just as we finish, and we're going to spend a few moments pausing and reflecting, but I'm going to leave you with these thoughts. We are called to be living with God in the power of the Holy Spirit. We are called to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit as a community of believers together as we become more like Jesus Christ. We are called to learn to model God's love and grace and compassion with people.